You're listening to the Late Night Football Show with your host, Rohit Singh. That's me. On this show, we talk about some of the most serious, least silly topics from the world of football for your entertainment and enjoyment. Please remember that the show is BYOL. Bring your own laughs, since we don't have the budget for a studio audience. Happy listening. Hello everyone and welcome to Late Night Football. It's been a while since we've done this, but like the players, we took a break of sorts from the regular stuff and I hope you enjoyed what we produced in that time. I hope you've enjoyed watching the trivia the competition if you have been watching it on YouTube. Uh, for those of you who have been listening to the podcast on Anchor, TalkShoe, iTunes, Spotify or any of those other channels, uh, you may have missed the competition because that was held exclusively on YouTube. Uh, so if you have not watched the competition yet uh, please do head over to our youtube channel to check out the comp- to check out the videos from that tournament uh, the link will be placed in the description below so make sure to check that out at the end of this video and for those of you who did uh, see the competition on youtube i hope you all enjoyed it uh, please do remember to like and share the videos and subscribe to our youtube channel we need more subscribers and your help is really really crucial to that so please help us all right uh after that plug uh let's get into tonight's episode now there were three big competitions this summer plus one more ongoing that is the women's champions league now the biggest one we cannot review that which is the trivia the old competition <laughs> uh no I'm just kidding but we can talk about the other two which were the champions league and the europa league and since the last review show worked so well with our friends from fox in the box we decided to invite them back for this one as well So we've got three guests here today with us uh, because you know budgets are a bit low. <laughs> But first up, you already know him from the Premier League review show, Nishikant Sharma. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks uh, Rohit for having me here. It's a pleasure to be back again. Yes. Yes, and uh, we've also got an Arsenal fan today. who was supposed to be on the premier league show the last time but he couldn't make it to that to that one so he's making up for it by being here today sashwat welcome to the show it's a pleasure to finally have you here yeah thanks for it uh, hope you guys are doing fine i uh, hope you guys are doing fine all right and finally you can ever discuss football without a manchester united fan it would seem so we have akash bhatia here to fill that quota for us hello akash hey rohit thanks for having me here looking forward to it man i'm just kidding uh but thank you so much guys for agreeing to be on the show it's a real delight and an honor to have you here i know you guys have been diligently following the competitions even though your teams or should i say our teams didn't do so well in it and the best part is that we'll probably get some objective responses this time but feel free to take digs at any clubs after all that's what this platform is for all right so let's start with the champions of europe <clears throat> bayern munich went perfect in this tournament not been beaten or drawn even once uh, and that's never happened before at least to my knowledge since there were group stages in this competition and you know it's a phenomenal achievement and to think that they were floundering at the start of the season i said it in my bundesliga show on this channel when we did the review that i thought this might be dortmund's chance to win the league again but well bayern munich have gone on and done the treble so akash what do you think changed from early season to now like to go from you know being a little bit wobbly to now being treble winners this season what changed i think what changed is the mentality the players kind of knew how hansi flick used to like you know he was a assistant of jokim lov for germany in the world cup so the core of germany which is mainly consists of german players they know what to expect so what i believe is a lot of things happened behind the scenes so the mentality definitely changed for me Mm-hmm. Yeah because you know they didn't change any players i mean the players were still there i don't think they bought anyone in january so yeah this is remarkable right like a team that kind of seems like at the end of the line at the start of the season and then suddenly you know you just see them revitalized all of a sudden and and you know go on that I, i don't think we've seen that before uh, quite frankly even considering that the bundesliga is not a very competitive league at the moment but still it's 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 remarkable isn't it to watch a team that seems at the end of its powers but then suddenly you watch them and they are now like at the top of their game again yeah absolutely like they were losing 5-1 to frankfurt if i remember when nico kovac was sacked yeah mm-hmm. and uh, looking forward as the the ucl record has been you can see that 
they have like 100% win rate in the group stages and they went on to embarrass Spurs and Chelsea in the knockouts so it was phenomenal and <laughs> let me not start <laughs> what happened against Barcelona i mean yeah no we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that for sure yeah we'll yeah talk. of course <laughs> and by the way ladies and gentlemen we have our first dig of the night i hope that will not be our only but yes we have talked about <laughs> a subtle shot but speaking of chelsea nisha you watched them hammer chelsea in the round of 16 now so you've seen them first hand like what do you think what do you think sets them apart from everyone else yeah th- thanks for reminding me that uh, <laughs> well, i didn't think uh, you know i had enough uh, you know reasons to be I remember that game But yeah, I think you know, Bayern have been uh, fantastic, and, and credit where it's due, uh, Hans Flick, you know, he has really been the uh, reason for the change. So, uh, like uh, Akash mentioned, uh, you know, Nico, he was the understudy of Joachim Low, and uh, how Nico Kovac uh, uh, was, you know, doing. So. you know i i think the major differences are there are differences in tactics definitely but i think he what he has done is he earned the trust of the players he has played you know for bayern before and he was there uh, in the coaching staff so i think he earned the trust of the players he brought the group together there were players like muller who uh, seemed to be in their decline when niko kovac was the was the coach but uh, look at thomas muller under him you know uh, he he scored I, i guess 20 plus goals and uh, you know g- gave uh, assists as well around that so that has the, the change has been that you know he has got the core back he knows uh, who are the players who can win in the win in the game and tactically uh, niko kovac famously said that you know it's not about tactics it's only about moving the ball from point a to point b so that kind of shows probably the last nail in his coffin uh, before he sat he was sacked after that 5-1 defeat but definitely uh, they have improved uh, tactically they have again started building from back uh, you know and the players seem to have confidence in the coach they have confidence in each other they have you know the, they, there has been a revival in the uh, psychological uh, you know aspect in the mentality aspect so i think that's probably the reason why they have done what they have done this season We don't have a Liverpool fan here, but a uh, quick controversial question: Who's the better fullback? Is it Davis or is it uh, Alexander Arnold? <laughs> Anyone wants to take a stab at it? <laughs> uh, I'd say Alexander Arnold, just for uh, you know the, the the amount of assist he has had, you know, just by stats, he's been pretty good. But you know, yeah, definitely these uh, fullbacks that uh, you know Bayern ha- have used, uh, be Benjamin Pavard or Alfonso Davis, both have been really well. uh davis will be the most uh, aggressive one among the two but even when pavard wasn't there thomas kimmich who actually played as midfielder when they beat us in the first leg joshua he was ah uh, sorry joshua kimmich my bad he uh now <laughs> he now <laughs> is uh, there. <laughs> yeah he 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 is playing as a he played as a right back in the semis and i think even in the uh, finals yeah. uh mm-hmm. so you know they have players who are versatile when it comes to their positioning you know that mm. really has been good and obviously the way he is using those players and you know so that muller can have his half spaces uh, to operate within and obviously lewandowski has been in the form of his life i, I don't think there's a better striker in the world at this moment so yeah and i don't think there's any debate about yeah. that i think he is the best striker uh, in the world yeah. right now um yeah i, I think i think this all uh, makes makes a lot of sense actually with the way that things have gone but there was another team in the final as well speaking of the champions and you know it's been a decade since uh, i guess qatar took over psg i don't know the name of the actual company that took it over i'm going to say qatar <laughs> took over psg and they spent a lot of money obviously they brought in a lot of marquee names and finally uh, you know they made it to the big match and they didn't do too badly i don't i don't think they played badly at all they they created chances you know they they missed a few big ones as well but it must be frustrating them for them now to be so close yet so far again and this season they did change the policy a little bit i don't think they bought any big names aside from icardi which was a loan so you know it seems that that new policy is working for now but where do they go from here uh, do you think this loss will affect them psychologically like it did tottenham or do you think it will spur them on like it did liverpool uh, shashwat 
uh, I would like you to answer this one. And I know I'm assuming that you're going to enjoy this chance to take a dig at Spurs. But nonetheless, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> yeah, so uh, in my opinion, yeah, I think PSG uh, has had a very good uh, Champions League season. They, mm. they improved considerably under Thomas Tuchel. Wins especially the game against Atlanta, I think which they dominated in the second half. But, uh, but uh, and in past season, if you see, you, if you would have seen, they would have bottled that game. But they came out uh, and won that game. So, and also was they dominated against Leipzig. But uh, I think against in the final, I don't think, uh, uh, yeah, they came very close. But uh, I think still, I believe they will improve in the next season. Yeah, this loss might ha- uh, haunt them continuing next season also. But Thomas Tuchel is, I think, a, a better coach who can deal with this type of uh, things. And also, they have the money. They, uh, yeah, I think Thiago Silva has left the club and they have yeah. got money. They can buy a good centre-back from there. So, overall, I think uh, things are good for PSG. But, yeah, they need to next uh, next. Uh, next year, this Champions League defeat might be haunting them next uh, next season. Uh, means they yeah, means well, they an opportunity, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Thiago Silva went for free to Chelsea. They don't get any money for that. But I think they have bought, they have completed the signing of Icardi now, like he's permanently yeah. uh, there. Yeah. But um, maybe they can put Marquinhos at centre back finally and bring in a proper midfielder. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, uh, it's. What about name star players like Neymar, for example? I mean, this is a question we ask every year, right? Every year PSG go out and every year we ask this question. It's kind of like Harry Kane at Tottenham. Like, is Neymar wasting his time at PSG? Now, he's 29 now um, and he's going to know that chances like these are running out for him. How, how is, is he going to be considering his future? I know he's been talking about being a team player and he's happy at PSG, but is this now another moment where he's going to be considering his future, Nishi, do you think? Or do you think he's just like, well, whatever, you know, we've, we've come so far, we've got another year now. You know, uh, thing with Neymar is, uh, you know, where to, if not PSG? I mean, um, among the clubs that can actually afford him, uh, you know, not just to buy him, but also to pay his wages. Uh, you know, there, there aren't many clubs who can afford him where, you know, th- there is a, where he necessarily has a better chance to win Champions League than at PSG. Uh, I think, uh, you know, PSG currently have a squad that would be envy of many coaches and a coach that would be envy of many clubs. You know, so they, they actually have a really good coach. They have a very good squad and they need not worry too much about losing the final. You mentioned Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham, you know, what they did was miracle. So, you know, you kind of knew that if they didn't win that time, it would take many, many, many years for them to come you know, climb that mountain and be in the final again. They simply didn't have the squad. What they did was just uh, a miracle, you know, to say. Uh, so uh, it's not that for PSG. They, yeah, they had a bit of, uh, you know, there, there was kind of a uh, scene where they would never, you know, do that well, go past semifinals. But they clearly have, you know, uh, just th- that monkey is off the back now. So they have reached the final and I think they have the team. They have a coach with uh, the tactical acumen of getting them back there. So Neymar should stay, stick with PSG uh, unless, you know, there's a chance that he could go to Barcelona while Messi, uh, you know, s- decides to stay there. Uh, unless that happens, I don't think, uh, you know, there's a point in leaving uh, PSG. He's going to win uh, all the domestic titles, obviously. And, that probably is the club that has the best chance to be in finals again. And they didn't re- really lose very badly. So they, it's not like they played really uh, bad or anything like that. So you can, you know, get some positives from the game. And that would, uh, you know, I, I think they can be in final again. Yeah, because it's still a team that is uh, somewhat in their yeah. prime, right? I mean, like Thiago Silva is yeah. leaving, but they still have Marquinhos, Herrera, uh, Verratti. Yeah. Mbappe, it's yeah. the players who are in the yeah. time. So it's not, not necessarily it's a cycle coming to an end. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have a good team. They, they'll, and they'll be there for at least a couple of more years. For sure. So, you know, I was going to save this question for later. But since you brought it up now, we'll talk about it now. We'll talk about, uh, you know, because I think it links to the Neymar situation. 
but the biggest match in terms of what has happened uh, since then, the fallout and all of that, wasn't the Champions League final. I think we can all agree on that. It wasn't the Champions League final. It was the game between Barcelona and Bayern Munich. 8-2 defeat to Barcelona. I mean, it's, it's a defeat of seismic proportions in, at any point. Yeah. Season, but having, having it happen on such a big... Uh, it's, it's an Arsenal-level <laughs> defeat, you know, if you <laughs> put it that way. Oh, okay. And she's saying that as a Chelsea fan, so there's no bias there, by the way, guys. I know. <laughs> um, but, you know, so much has happened since then. I mean, Setien is gone, so they've lost one manager. A new manager has come in, Ronald Koeman. He stole Suarez and Rakitic. He wants them to leave, among other players, I'm sure. And then most importantly, maybe as a consequence of telling these players to leave, Messi now has said he doesn't want to stay either. He wants to leave as well. And now we've had these debates on social media, back and forth, on the group, elsewhere. So let's, let's leave that aside for a moment. Let's start with the club. We know that there are problems at this club that are beyond just the playing staff. So how do you even begin to address that, Adarsh? Where do you, Akash, sorry, where do you start uh, with the rebuild? Which is obviously needed at this point, right? Okay, so let's be honest here. Uh, first of all, their chairman, Bartomeu, is disliked by most of the Barcelona fans, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. He's known to like uh, make some shady financial deals. I mean, I'm not sure about this, but it's being uh, circulated all around the social media. And like the you can see, one. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. And also, you can see with the squad, I mean, the core, like the experienced players they have right now are all like 30 plus uh, with their age. So, and each and every one are declining and they're earning like 200 grand a week. So, which is not justifiable. So, for me, the first thing is to have a proper clear out so, but it has to be in a systematic manner. I, I mean, it shouldn't be with what happened with United in, when uh, we got David Moyes. After that season, we literally, like, uh, you can see uh, Nemanja Vidic, Ferdinand, Evra, all were aging. But we have to, like, uh, move past them in a, in a proper manner. So, for me, he has, uh, Ronald Koeman has to bring in some young players, some hungry players who want to play for the club. So, that should be a start. And again, the main reason is too much player power. This is again down to Bartomeu, in my opinion, because let's be honest here, uh, he's a yes man for Lionel Messi. As of now, as of now, because you can see what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, Messi wants to leave and he's basically saying that no. Yeah, I think anyone who becomes a chairman will be yes man to Lionel Messi, given his clout there and you know the way fans <laughs> deify him. So, if you, anyone, you know, I, I think Messi is the most powerful person in Barcelona. It's not their chairman yeah, or yeah, uh, CEO or anyone. anyone. Yeah. That's true, but I think that shouldn't be the case. When I think Ferguson said once, when a player is bigger than the club, you know, it's the right time to move him on. So, for me, that's the main thing. You have to keep your head down, stay humble, play for the club, don't play for Messi. That's yeah, but you know when when Ferguson said that he said that for David Beckham, and if you, you can't quite compare David Beckham and Messi. You know, uh, Messi is probably like 10, 15 levels above him. Beckham couldn't win you uh, games like how Messi did. So it's probably easier said for a player like Beckham than it would be to implement in reality for a person. You know, a player that can have an impact like Messi. I mean, let, let's talk about Messi uh, in a second because I'm going to come to that. But I want to stick to the issues at the club, um, and I'll, and and we'll, we'll we'll come to Messi. But it's a first step. Uh, you know, Akash touched on it about how you know a build for a rebuild. You don't want to sell everyone at the same time. You want to do it systematically. Uh, now, is Kuman then doing the right thing? Is he is he doing the right thing by telling uh, Suarez and Rakitic among other players? I'm not sure who the others are, but I know he's definitely told Suarez and Rakitic that he doesn't want them there. He wants them to leave. So is that is that right just to come in and say, you know what, I don't want you guys here. I, I haven't seen you I haven't seen you play for me, but I know you guys are not gonna fit my system. I want you to leave. Or should he just give them a chance to prove themselves before saying that? I mean, is there is there dissent because of that, you know, when a new manager comes in and says right away, you know what, I, I don't fancy you guys. You've seen it happen in the past, but is, is that a reason for discontent there initially? Like uh, players are kind of fearing for the future and then you know Messi's kind of speaking up for that. That's definitely could be a part of the equation, but Barcelona right now, you know, sometimes if you want to build something new, you have to tear the existing uh, uh, structure apart. And that, that's the position Barcelona are in right now. So mm-hmm. it, it, it won't be a simple change of few midfielders or a few players from here and there or a 
change in coach that would do the job for them. Barcelona needs a complete overall that that would, you know, in my opinion, go on for another four or five years. Uh, you know, it, it won't be something that you can just do it in one year. And from that perspective, I think uh, Kuman is the right appointment because you know he he he's not the coach who has won the won a lot or has a very stellar uh, CV. But you know, if you want to uh, be in a position where you're going to build something, you know, get some uh, you know uh, young players come in and change the whole uh, starting level. I think he's a good coach to do that. I don't think uh, he's necessarily going to be the coach that would take them take them to uh, back to CL glory or you know continue back to back trophies. But he can probably uh, set up a structure for someone else to take over. Now, coming to your question, uh, you know that, that definite. I, I think a coach should be allowed to you know uh, have his own eleven. Uh, pick his own eleven, uh, and if he says to a player that you know, uh, you know, I don't uh, necessarily see you being part of my squad. I think he's being honest. Rather, uh, you know, I'd rather that someone comes and uh, says it to my face as a player. And most players, uh, you know, I, I think they would say the same thing. That uh, as a coach, it would be uh, better if someone says that you're not going to play uh, to a player on the face rather than just you know. Uh, shunning them out like probably what's happening between uh, Zidane and Bale uh, if the media reports are to be believed but uh, so in in that case i think he's within his rights to say that and uh, you know that the fact that this has uh, been a cause for discontent and uh, for what messi has done uh, only you know serves to only proves me right when i say that messi is the most important man in the club and i think akash is right when you know i think it's time for barcelona to move on and i think it's time for messi to move on uh, they have, you know i don't think either party owes anything to the other party so and and you know i i think if barcelona wants to build something new and something for the future they need to uh, you know change everything right now what they have from their president to coach and to uh, the players that there are in the starting eleven, and I, because they have really made some bad investments, uh, you know, when you think about uh, Dembele and you know other players like Griezmann and uh, Vidal and God knows who else they have bought, uh, it hasn't Coutinho. really clicked. Coutinho, yes, Coutinho. yeah, Coutinho, <laughs> who actually, yeah, he's a <laughs> Champions League winner, and they didn't think that he was good enough to play for them. So you know they haven't made good decisions for sure. So uh, you know, let's see. I, I think it's Messi should move on, and Barcelona should go on a complete overall overhaul of the squad and the club. Okay. Um, so on that note, then let's kind of touch on it. So let's get into the Messi uh, debate at this point. Uh, let's start with you, Akash. Now. We know that uh, nobody is going to pay 700 million euros. Not in this market, not ever. I would assume would any nobody would want to pay 700 million euros for a player. Uh, mm-hmm. If if somebody were to pay 150 to 200 million, million euros, let's say that's the amount that you know they agree on. That if someone pays between 150 and 200 million euros, you know, should Barcelona then say, you know what, that's fine. Let's let's let him go. It's he's a th- he's 33 years old at this point. Yes, he's a he's probably one of the greatest players. He is definitely definitely one of the greatest players. In the game, probably the greatest. Um, is is it fair now for Barcelona to say, you know what, it's fine. We'll take 150 or 200 million euros. We'll let you go. Should they do that, or, or you know, and, and let's let's not say that whether they will or won't, but should they do that? Like, it doesn't make financial sense to do it. I think they should have a gentleman's agreement, how Ronaldo had with Fiorentina Perez, that if an offer mm-hmm. comes worth 100 million or something, they should just move on, and. Looking at Barcelona's current financial mess and Messi is earning about what a million per week. So that's pretty much, I mean, they should look at their wage structure. They should clear out and try to rebuild. And I know it takes time. It, uh, the fans will be like, go crazy when Real Madrid wins probably two or three back-to-back La Ligas, but it takes time. So I just want them to like have a moment and just consider that if Messi leaves, it won't be a, an instant success after that. It will take time and it should happen because it will happen at some point of time. So why not now take 150 million, save 100 million wages per year, just move on. And uh, what I believe is, uh, so the clubs linked with Lionel Messi, I believe Man City are closely linked. But again, 
when you like look at city squad they are not short of goals okay they are short of match winners in the big games so that's where messi comes in but again you have seen in the last few years that messi hasn't really helped in those yeah, uh, knockout fixtures yeah. yeah so if you want to improve something at city and you you have like uh, let's say 200 million to invest you improve on the back line you don't improve at the front because you already have sterling you have aguero you can replace aguero but that's not an uh, direct replacement for uh, i mean messi is not a direct replacement of aguero because he's already 33 so you go there and get a new striker or uh, you know like they have already got ferran torres come in yeah. i don't know what he will do exactly so yeah what i believe is they have to improve on the back line rather than getting messi straight forward messi might prove uh, detrimental to the balance that manchester city has you know bringing a player like that but obviously who wouldn't want messi okay that's yeah, that sound that you are hearing right mm-hmm. now is angry manchester city fans you know thumping their keyboards at the <laughs> talking about this um <laughs> but no but on that note i think we you know if you touch on it then um we talk about 150 200 million euros we know there is a legal challenge happening right now by messi to let him go on a free is that legally possible do you think he'll win that argument of going on a free i don't think so i mean i have read that he had a clause till probably june 30th or something but even june if 10th. that happens okay june 10th so even if that happens i mean it wouldn't look good on messi i believe i mean he has given him the club a lot of goals a lot of success but again he's earning like a million per week so you have to like compromise it somewhere no matter yeah. how big of a club legend you are you have to repay them back so, well yeah. i mean yeah that's that's totally true but i don't think it's is... going to go that far uh, to the courts i think barcelona and city would come to some sort of agreement of 100 150 million pounds and barcelona will sell messi just just keep in mind though that uh, the, you know if messi hires city's lawyers he can probably get out of the that's a fact but then okay uh, yeah. touch, touch on that then um you talked about city agreeing to 100 150 million pounds uh, price let's let's say it's a free transfer let's assume that it's a free transfer i put this on on, on the group the other day you're still looking at about uh, my conservative estimate was about 110 million pounds wages and signing bonus for 3 years probably will be close to 250 million pounds just wages just signing bonus that's what it's going to be if you're adding another 100 million pounds let's say that's 250 million pounds is that a justifiable investment for, for, for if even for manchester city or even psg is that a justifiable investment for 3 years for messi it's not considering he's 33 years so yeah. it's yeah, not for a player like, that is otherwise had it been you know if messi were 25 26 then yeah a player of that quality uh, you know he because the uh, you know the amount of money he brings to the club your shirt sell uh, you know and all that uh, thing that he could do in terms of a media power for a club that's huge so that will offset the money 200 million won't be very difficult for a club to offset when it comes to messi uh, but still for a 33 year old i think it's a very very risky investment uh so but if you don't take this you know not you'll gain nothing so shashwat did you have something to add yeah i believe uh, in my opinion i think uh, the, if if you pay 250 million for messi then uh, i think city will pay it because they want the champions league and that is the only thing that uh, pep guardiola has been failing at the moment yeah it, he has dominated the premier league he has dominated the um, the wins uh, english leagues but he is not able to win the uh, win the big one that is the champions league so maybe bringing in um, lionel messi and probably a center back that they are looking for they have bought ake i think and they they might be looking to bring in one more center back so maybe they will be trying to win because they have they are at the moment lacking a match winner that we saw in the semi uh, in the quarter final against leon they means they were the firm favorites but they still couldn't beat uh, leon so that's that small a margin of error cost them the uh, them the, the game so i think just because of that champions league and pep guardiola's record which he had for me, with messi maybe that is the reason why uh, 
city could go for uh, could pay the man money up to 200 million or 150 i think that is my uh, view regarding this yeah also so let me tell you something if they pay 250 if they do a full 250 million pound package for messi I, I, even even the city's powers of escaping ffp legislations i think it will be a little bit hard to justify then spending on another defender another 40 million pounds or whatever they would pay uh, so but i don't know who knows right um but but on that note then there's an off the cuff question for you guys is messi more of a hindrance because if he comes to city the player that i see missing out is actually going to be phil foden right the guy because you know you you you'd probably assume that he's he was going to get more of a chance this next year but you can't see sterling drop out you're not seeing mares drop out aguero jesus probably wouldn't be so affected affected uh, bernardo silva can probably play in midfield and ferran was obviously going to be a backup so the guy is probably going to going to be thinking about his future it's got to be phil foden right is isn't that then a hindrance the future I think Foden is a good talent. Uh, we have all seen last season what he has done with City, and yeah. credit goes to Pep, of course, because a season before that it was looking like he will be the next one to go out, like Brahim Diaz. So, in my opinion, I think they should just ease uh, Foden in. I mean, he shouldn't uh, be a regular start, in my opinion. Just like what Greenwood is about to Man United, Foden is to Man City. So the reason, for, like when you compare these both players, United are still looking for a right forward, and that is, that is not naturally Greenwood's position, but he plays there just you know to add that extra. So I think Man City, what are they are trying to do is to play Foden behind the striker uh, in the role where De Bruyne and David Silva used to play, and to add a new forward on the right side. So I think Sterling still plays. Mahrez might miss out because he's already like aging. He's 30 right right now, if I'm not wrong. And yeah, Messi, think. yeah, and Lionel Messi, of of course, he's the, like the best player in the world, so he gets in there without any doubt. So it adds quality score, score depth. I mean, I'm not saying about Messi, but Mahrez, Foden, Ferran Torres. So yeah, I think it's a, it will be a good mixture. But I also have one more point to say. Let's say hypothetically, Man City gets Messi and they win the Champions League. So what's next for Pep? I mean, people will still say that he wins the Champions League only with Messi. So my question is: Is he a fraud? I'm sure City fans have an answer to that one for you, whether he's a fraud or not. But if he if he wins, it'll be messy. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's a hypothetical question. I think that is something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Obviously, um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's difficult to say. Like, is he is he is he going to help? Is he going to be a hindrance? I don't know. I just see that you know the player who's most in danger to miss out will probably be Foden because you know he's not established yet, right? So he's someone who's still learning the trade. But anyway. We'll see how that goes, and I, I don't want to make this too Messi-centric. I know uh, things discussions <laughs> tend to go that way, so so we'll park that for now, um, and we'll move on. We'll change gears, uh, and uh, let's let's talk about the Europa League. I mean, let's talk about Sevilla once again, champions. Uh, I mean, there's some team, aren't there? I mean, uh, you know, I always like to use the WWE analogies, and if I can use them <laughs> here, um, you know, it looks, you know, Sevilla are the kind of guy that if you put them in the contention for the WWE title, the champion, the World Championship. Nobody would take them seriously. Nobody would buy them as a threat. There would be someone like you're like okay, you know, maybe like top eight, you know, kind of like a good um, sort of warm up victory for the actual champion, uh, you know, whoever wants to contend for the champion, a nice warm up victory. But wouldn't really see them as a threat. But you put them a level below for the intercontinental championship, for example, and suddenly everybody buys them as a threat. Everybody sees them as someone that they can buy into, someone who's really believable as a champion, as a threat. And that's kind of where Sevilla are at at the moment. That in like the Miz. Uh, if anybody, if you know who, who that is, is you know very believable intercontinental champion, but nobody would buy them as as a WWE champion. So that's how I see them. Uh, Shashwat, what do you think? Uh, is that an uh, an appropriate anal- analogy for Sevilla? Someone they mastered the competition, right? They know how to win it. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'm agreeing with you with you regarding this. Sevilla huh? has, I think, won the six consecutive. I mean, six out finals out of six in the Europa League. Which is, yeah. I think, a great, great, great record. But when it comes to Champions League, I think they are knocked out of the quarterfinals. So uh, means it's not their means. Uh, I think uh, it is just because other teams are are better. And uh, in Europa League, I think the game that you saw against Manchester United, I think that was the game which really I think United should have won. I, in my personal belief, because they were. constantly attacking and if martial and um, and, and the forwards would have finished at rashford then i think they could have won but the 
but the couple of chances which they, which Sevilla got, they punished them. And and same goes with Inter Milan. So um, game, which I think was a very very close one. So in in Europa League, I think they are the best team at the moment. Uh, just like Real Madrid is in Champions League, they are in Europa League. It's uh, formidable. But when it comes to Champions League, I think this is where they uh, tend to lose because other teams are slightly better. So that is why I think uh, they tend to fail there. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like certain teams just know how to win certain competitions, like right? Real Madrid know how to win Champions Leagues, Sevilla know how to win Europa Leagues, Arsenal know how to win FA Cups. It's kind of like that, yeah. isn't it? Um, with with the Sevilla and Europa, like they just kind of know how to win that win the competition. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think uh, in Europa League, I think they are the way they they are they play with that with lot of seriousness and passion. I think that's what I have saw saw them. I think I have saw uh, I have saw. It with Atletico Madrid and Sevilla, both tend to means play those this competition very seriously, and yeah. that is why I think uh, they are so successful, in my opinion. Sure, um, and as we touched on it, I mean, uh, you know, obviously the big money is in the Champions League, though. Like at the end of the day, that's where the big boys play. That's you know, rightly or wrongly, and at some point they should be focusing on going deeper than than just than just you know the. Uh, in, in that competition, because most of the times you find them either make, going out of the round of 16, even of the six Europas that they've won, I think a couple actually came after they dropped down from the Champions League. Uh, I think they've only managed one quarterfinal in the last 16 years. So at some point, they've got to look to... It's not a very flattering record when you look at the Champions League. So is is that something that they need to improve on, Akash? Or do you think it's just that they know that that's their ceiling of, of being the Europa and so they're focused on being a good Europa team and they don't really care how deep they go in the Champions League, if at all? Uh, I believe I have still have doubts whether they can do better in the Champions League. Hmm. Probably they can reach like a round of 16 or quarterfinals at the most. As you can see from the past records, they reached quarterfinals against United and uh, when Mourinho was a manager. So Maybe that's obviously, what got there. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say that because we had a dismal squad that, I mean, we played dreadful football. I can vouch for that. But again, you can see the following year, no, a year before that, when they faced Leicester and they lost against Leicester, which was a sock. So, I mean, yeah, of course, they won the Premier League, Leicester. No disrespect to them. But again, Sevilla losing to Leicester is anything but a shock. So, what I believe is Champions League is a bit too much for them. So, yeah, getting out from Champions League is a bonus. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, maybe they, they, I mean, I don't know what the, maybe the focus is that it's better to win a Europa League and finish as a quarter-finalist or a semi-finalist in the Champions League. Maybe that's the attitude. Not sure. But yeah, they definitely, I think it's a very unflattering record um, for them, especially considering the great success that they've had. Uh, But speaking of unflattering records, uh, we've got to talk about the Premier League. And a lot of talk last season was, you know, four finalists never happened before, you know, four finalists all from England. Uh, England is ready to dominate. You know, the Premier League is ready to dominate. You know, we've got so much money coming. And then this season, everybody knew, any sane person knew that it was going to be a level drop. But I don't think anyone expected this kind of a level drop. Like, no English team in the final, just one in a semi-final. That was in the Europa League. It, it's, it's, you know, is that like, I, I, mean, I don't know, what, is, is it just that the fact that, uh, you know, English teams have been mediocre by and large this past decade. So, you know, last season was definitely a one-off. Is this season also a one-off and they'll do better next season? Or do you think there was some issue there that uh, that's holding them back? I mean, uh, Shashwat, like, what do you think? Is, is, that, is, that, is there reason to be concerned? Yeah, I believe uh, in Premier means, uh, the, according to me, means uh, Premier League side had struggled a bit this season in the Champions League, especially you, there was a high expectations, especially for, from the teams like means. Tottenham because they had a very good season. I think they were lucky, but they still had a very good season uh, before that in the Champions League. But the way they lost against Bayern Munich was 7-2. That was a very, means, uh, very, very discouraging. And also against Leipzig, they were in across both the legs. They were not good. So yeah. uh, that that was this first. Next goes with Liverpool. I think Liverpool. Just how underestimated Atletico a little bit, I think that in that game, but still um, they should. I means uh, Atletico Madrid ha- are a very physical team and they played better uh, in in both the legs. So I think 
there was a little bit and manchester city you know that uh, you are that, that we are seeing at the moment they should have at least uh, gone to the semi finals and they should have been a, and there means uh, uh, that defeat against leon would have been a concern for them because they sh- because uh, everyone tipped them to win uh, to beat them and maybe go to and win the champions league so in my opinion i think but uh, but slowly and steadily i think next season they might be uh, because uh, every team is now uh, and and plus real madrid and barcelona are at the moment sliding down a little bit i uh, know real madrid barcelona you have you, you have just saw so they they are having a new coach and also uh, real madrid is who are the most successful team and uh, i think uh, they, they are also means a little bit uh, young means at the moment draw squad not that experience as it was uh, four or five seasons before means up to up to the way they won the three champions league consecutively so in my opinion they will uh, they will they means english teams will have their chances and i think the, they will improve next season Yeah, I mean, uh, the performance charts, if you take a quick, quick look at it, um, Arsenal went out in the round of 32 in Europa, Liverpool, yeah. uh, Spurs and Chelsea all down in the round of 16 in the Champions League. Manchester City made it to the quarterfinals and then got out in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, then Manchester United in the semifinals uh, of, the quarter, of, the, of the Europa League. And Wolves, of course, I forgot about them, they went out in the quarterfinal of the Europa League as well. So... I mean clearly we know City and United bottled it in their matches I think they should have won both of them should have won their games really and they both kind of missed up their chances Liverpool a uh, very bizarre un Liverpool like game that they went out in because they actually took the lead in that one after being behind and then, then they gave it up like it was just bizarre it was a game that shouldn't have happened anyway because of different reasons but nonetheless uh, Chelsea had no chance uh, pretty much I think anybody would agree with that Uh, and then Arsenal and Spurs, you just don't know what you get from them any season. It's so inconsistent. Uh, what went wrong, Akash? I mean, is it now a case of like English clubs being complacent in the games that they played? I'm sure City would have been... I mean, there might have been a case of City thinking too far ahead of like, you know, getting ready for Bayern and, and ignoring Lyon. Um, you know, is, is there... Maybe even Liverpool were a bit complacent. As Shashwat touched on it, they might have underestimated Atletico a little bit. So, it, it, or is it just the fact that English are chokers? Like in these kind of games, they just... They just, they just Choke. I mean, these kind of competitions. Um. Uh, I think, uh, of course, Man City being the strongest club in England as of now, when it comes to pure squad quality, they have to do better in Europe because, first of all, they are managed by Pep, and he has to deliver in the Champions League apart from Barcelona. So I believe the expectations are high, and they are crumbling because of the pressure. So that is one thing I believe in for Man City and for Liverpool. I think they don't have quality squad depth. They have a tremendous first eleven, but you don't have game changers on the bench. So against last season, they got I think they got a bit lucky from Origi, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So he was an impact sub. He did well. Liverpool were flying, but this season it was not the case, because you know how the Premier League goes. I mean, you and how the way Liverpool play, they really press hard. So a lot of energy is utilized. So I believe they need to have some game changers. We can. actually come off the bench and have an impact straight away and as far as chelsea and united are concerned i think they are a young squad managed by you can say rookie managers because from from both lampard and ole are like at the top level as they are rookies so i don't think a lot is to be expected from them and for united i think it wasn't a total disaster if they went out from sevilla because sevilla are known to be as you said earlier the kings of europa league yeah. and for chelsea Yeah. So and for Chelsea, uh, I think they did well, and uh, of course Bayern were the favorites for the Champions League. So no one, literally no one expected them to like qualify against them. So it, I mean, what I'm saying is an overreaction is unnecessary. You should just wait and see what happens for the next season, and nothing happens, and then yeah, probably the mentality has to change. Yeah, well, I can tell you, Chelsea have got to be fav- have got to be like up there next season with, with all the money that they're spending on on players. Looks like they're buying a new player every day at, at the moment. It <laughs> feels that way, doesn't it? Um, 
you know, yeah, I think a big factor there is probably the fact that these last few games, the quarterfinals onwards, were one-legged games. Uh, we know English players never do well in such competitions. You know, we can watch the World Cup or European Championships for that. But it definitely had a positive impact for smaller clubs, right, who are now encouraged to attack because they don't fear this away goals rule and things like that. So, what do you think of this one-legged uh, format? Uh, Nishi, I know Chelsea didn't get a chance to play in that, but you've seen the games. Do you, do you like it? Do you think it's, yeah. it's something worth considering? Uh, I'm not a fan of it, to be honest. Uh, I do understand why we have one-legged game, why we had it uh, this season. Yeah. And uh, probably would be a good idea even for next season because we have a lot of games within a shorter period of time. Uh, that's what's going to happen this time. So it probably would be a better, uh, good idea for next season to just to reduce the number of games people have to play. But in general, I think uh, with uh, you know two legs, uh, you give a bit more of a chance to a team. You know they have to perform uh, over a course of 180 minutes, and uh, you, you have a diff- you have different factors that come into play, things like away goals. Uh, so that makes it kind of more interesting, and I, I think. That's the uh, format that I personally want Champions League to be played in, the way it has been so far. But yes, for the current season, the season that was and the season that's going to start now, I think one-legged game, uh, knockout games would be a good idea considering how many games we have to play and uh, there isn't that much time as it normally would be. So yeah, for now it's okay. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people say that the current two-legged format favors bigger teams because they have more op- more time to you know to get back into a game or more opportunities. Yeah. Uh, but again, if it's definitely something to be considered, even you know outside of uh, you know the fact of, of what this current situation is, if there are there's always talk every year, a couple of years about having a club World Cup in the future. If they want to do that, mm-hmm. then. I mean, I, I don't think they should, but if they want to do that, this is something that definitely would be considered. But I mean, Shashwat. It does deprive big players of seeing big players at the stadiums. Right? I mean, imagine having a game between Arsenal and Milan and you're hoping to see Ibrahimovic or Rebic or whoever at, at your stadium. And then, you know, you get told, you know what, no, we're going to play this in Germany or we're going to play this in, in Portugal. It does take away from that. Is that something that, you know, uh, to, to be taken in mind? Because that's kind of why, you know, you want to be in Europe, right, as, as a club, because you want to play, you want to see these big players, at least for fans who go to the stadiums, you want to see these players playing at, at, at uh, you know, Emirates or Anfield or wherever, you want to see them at your stadium as opposed to just watching them in a neutral ground, right? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, in my opinion, I, I think also, uh, means at this current, I, I have to agree with uh, Nishikant at the moment because one, uh, as, uh, because if even if the tw- in the this season, the current season, 2021, I believe the knockout stages should be a one-legged tie because 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 either way you have to play 38 games in the in the Premier League and also we have seen that Carabao Cup and uh, FA Cup will there will be no replace in that. So in Champions League, I think for this particular season, I think one-legged tie will be perfect. Uh, and and uh, for but from starting from the next season, that is 2021, I believe. The same format should be there. That is the two-legged tie, in which, uh, as you have said, that if Arsenal qualifies and if if they get Real Madrid, then it will happen. It will, uh, they, and if they came to come to, if imagine uh, Benzema or uh, Benz, Benz, uh, or some other Benz yeah. Hazard coming back again playing for for uh, for at Emirates, then it will draw. It will have a better. Crowd uh, will come and watch them. Uh, as you can see, in uh, in terms of UA, if Arsenal is drawn against Juventus, then Cristiano Ronaldo coming in 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 this stadium means uh, in Emirates that will draw a lot lot more fans there. So I think for the next um, for for the current season means uh, at this till the COVID stays one legged ties going to be should be the format because as we are having so many games and players are also I mean tire tire will tire and from the next season then I think the two legged ties are the best option because you will get more dramas, more uh, intensity, especially in the second legs. So in my opinion that should be there in the uh, should be the next process, I believe. 
Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I think the one-legged format does seem to benefit smaller clubs a little bit, at least. Like they, and it, it at least brings about some attacking football. But I, I get your point. I think, yeah, I think going back to, we do have a European Championship this uh, some this next season as well, so they're gonna have to compress it. And I think they probably will do a, another one one-off knockout tournament. They probably will go down that road, but. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I, we, nobody has any idea. We're doing a Champions League review show right now, but the, the next season of the Champions League is already underway with the qualifiers. I don't know if you guys have been keeping tabs yep. on that, but that's already ongoing. So it's a bit of a strange, weird situation to be in uh, um, right now. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, let's talk a little. Let's turn up with a couple of tactical questions since uh, we, we know we'll, we'll try to pretend that we're a very analytical show. <laughs> Um, well, you know, we saw an explosion of ball playing center halves. You know, something that in the last decade, like you know, players who can play out from the back and stuff like that. Even emphasizing that over the ability to defend properly, you had defenders who were not good defenders but were selected because they were they could play the ball properly. But this season, I mean, if you watch teams like Sevilla or Lyon or even Leipzig for that matter, what you're seeing is are we seeing a return to defenders who can defend, like and people who have that uh, ability to organize defenses and and you know. Uh, lead the the back line. I mean, overpicking players just because they're good on the ball. I mean, Nishi. I mean, the likes of have you seen the likes of Upamecano, Diego Carlos, uh, even you know Marcelo. I'm not saying that they're bad on the ball, but they seem to be better defending than playing off on the back, and that kind of seems the primary reason why they've been selected. Is is that something that you're noticing as well? Well, uh, I think this question is based on the premise that ball playing centre backs can't defend. Uh, which I think is uh, not necessarily true. The, the term in its purest form is basically meant for centre-backs who can effective, effectively help their team build from the back. And if you see the current scenario, if anything that's happening is more and more teams are now playing from the back. Right? If, if you see, uh, in fact, well, that was the biggest change that Bayern Munich uh, did when Hansi Flick came into charge. No, he, yes, uh, but... Yeah, no, I understand yeah. the question. But what I'm saying is that, I mean, let's take an example from Marcelano, for example. Everybody no, knows he's I, not I a get that. Half, I, yeah. right? I'm not saying he's a bad defender. I'm just saying he's not a central defender, but he was playing at central defense because he mm-hmm. could, uh, you know, play out from the back. Right? Same with John Stones. We know he's a mediocre defender, but the reason why he was playing for Manchester City was because he could play out uh-huh. from the back. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah. And what I'm saying is not that they're bad defenders, but they were being selected because they could play out from the back. No, no, they were they bad defenders. Uh, I mean, uh, John Stones and uh, Javier Mascherano are not the ones I would consider uh, to, you know, be in first team of a team of a club like Barcelona or Manchester City. Uh, <laughs> but I think there are. I don't think that these two, I, I get where you're coming from, but in my opinion, this doesn't have to be an either or situation. Yeah, of course You, not. you yes. don't, yeah. So I think there are defenders like Ramos, uh, Bonucci, uh, you know, the, the Varane. These are good defenders. Uh, you might argue the other way about Varane as well, but I, I think he's <laughs> a good defender. But they, they all can help their team build from the back, even van mm-hmm. de, uh, you know Virgil van Dijk. Even he uh, helps the team build from the back, and these are good defenders. So I, I think, while uh, you know that uh, I agree that teams should not compromise the defensive structure just to have someone who could pass the ball. You know, you, you rather uh, you know, and I think these days more and more, as more and more teams are playing out from the back, I think we are getting defenders who are not just good at defending, but also playing through. You know. Uh, playing the ball uh, and helping the team build up. The uh, examples that you gave earlier, you know, that was the uh, initial days of this ball playing center back thing. So we didn't have defenders in that mode because mm-hmm. earlier defenders would just hoof off the ball, you know, just hoof and clear it away, just send it to row Z. That was the uh, idea for a defender. So it was a change. And because it was a chain, we, there was a dearth of defenders who had ne- those attributes necessarily to pass the ball uh, properly to the team. Uh, you saw the situation wherein you know a, probably a lesser defender would get picked into a team just because he could uh, adjust in the tactics of the coach who wanted to try to build from the back. But I think uh, you know going forward, I believe we would see more and more centre backs who are not necessarily. Uh, you know, where there isn't an either-or situation, who are who will actually be good at defending, as well as helping the team build from the back, whether it's with short passes or long passes, uh, square passes, whatever it is. But uh, 
a defender who can help the team build and build up an attack in my opinion that's a ball playing center back uh, you don't yeah. have to give a through ball to your striker so that's not necessarily what i expect of a center back so if if they can make 3 meter passes and quickly move the ball in they'd be a good ball player as well as a good defender yeah i think what but i think what the what one my point was that a lot of times what we were seeing was that defenders were being selected first based on their ball playing ability and then if they could defend yeah, and they were a good defender or not now what we're seeing is that they need to be a good defender and yeah. then you know you look at okay they they also good ball players so that's a bonus but yeah. anyway um, you know yeah i guess we get the end um Uh, yeah and i think the other uh, so i mean yeah we're looking at a lot of these all round players i think linked to that what i was what i noticed as well is that what you see now uh, the biggest evolution is is the style of the football has changed a little bit i mean there was there was a time in the early 2000s when it was all about like physical attributes you know players who could you know who had those uh, you know who could make run who could run all day so to speak or like you know people players who uh, who had the strength the 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 power Uh, the pace and power uh, stereotype rather uh, but th- those were important and then towards the end of the 2000s came the tiki taka a technical revolution uh, you know where you know why run when you can just pass the ball you know players who could zip around you know make passes and like make 200 passes in a game or whatever um, but now i think i think there is it, it, there seems to be this convergence almost like you need to have both physical and technical attributes look at goretzka for example um, or even bruno <laughs> fernandes you know or, or even herrera players who can pick out good passes from midfield they can run the game from midfield but then if they lose the ball they're immediately running back to to track back to make a tackle to get the to, to you know to to get, get the ball back or you know they they're like making runs forward to support the attack or win a penalty i know someone was going to say that's all say it first uh, uh, <laughs> bruno fernandes uh, but you know but I, i you know liverpool did it successfully last year right having this convergence and now bayern have taken that a level forward they're doing this as well now Uh, is that is that uh, Shashwat? Is that going to be the, the new approach, like at the highest level, having players who are both technically good and physically uh, able to 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 last 90 minutes? Yeah, I think it will be the, the, just like you tell uh, you just now told that Tiki Taka was the main uh, main uh, men's attribute which uh, Pep brought, but yeah. now I think. Uh, this uh, the physical attributes and the, as well as the creativity uh, which i think is both are very important at the moment because you because just we saw in the champions league goreska was was one of the means uh, has done a very good job for uh, for bayern as well as bruno fernandes i think as much as i have uh, trolled him for penalty but i think this guy has, <laughs> has changed the manchester united team and this and the best thing about him is that he's uh, he, he, some of the means uh, the free kicks against uh, which he has the set pieces as well as the uh, means uh, some of the uh, means he has brought a new fresh energy in manchester united so i think this will be the trend which will continue for the next couple of means uh, for for the seasons to come and maybe for the means at the moment so in my opinion that is uh, absolutely correct for uh, means uh, this thing means yeah, uh, i mean yeah it's an emphasis on having like all round players really people who can do both mm-hmm. but then i mean is there uh, uh, akash is there no place i mean i know i know this is a sore topic for shashwat but maybe i'll ask him this as well but akash is there no place then for those technical players like classical technical players like um mata like a mata for example or even an ozil or there i say even a messi <laughs> um is there no place for those kind of players players who are not necessarily going to give you 90 minutes of full action a uh, full on action you know football but they can produce those moments of magic uh, you know in a game if they're given an opportunity is there no place for those kind of players anymore in the biggest of games uh, i i kind of disagree with this i think definitely there is a place for them as you can as you gave an example of uh, goretzka i can also see the same for thiago thiago used to i mean he's playing for bayern i think he was uh, the man of the match in the finals uh, like i don't remember but yeah i think he was phenomenal for them he just does forward like uh, as you can see what carrick does for us he just rotates the ball gets it back i mean he used to play from the back so 
what i believe is the games way way more tactical nowadays because of which the physical attributes are not that relevant as they as they were used to probably a decade back and the main reason for this is probably the availability of data i mean as you can see most of the clubs are now uh, moving forward to uh, like hiring data scientists in, in a way to figure out what to expose the opposition to study so i think uh, what i think is apart from this the important factor is the physical fitness also i mean you can be the most clever footballer in the world but you cannot succeed if you're not physically fit so that's my take on this and i will basically say it's like it's still a 60 40 on a technical side for me okay yeah but i mean you know but that 40 looks like still important i mean shashwat i mean you've seen ozil play do you think he would fit in 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 this bayern team for example not necessarily ability but even just the fact that physically do you think he would last in in this bayern team for 90 minutes would they be able to to accommodate him uh, let's say prime ozil let's not say today's ozil but let's say prime ozil would he fit in that team yeah i believe uh, current ozil will not fit i think uh, because i think uh, <laughs> i think everybody but, agrees with that one yeah but the prime ozil i think he would have fit because at the time which when he was the ozil we saw at real madrid and also for the germany when he came in 2010 that was the ozil which which everyone means uh, that that would have fit in any team uh, uh, around the world means whether you means he was he was the hot property at that moment he was he used to uh, means to uh, means go for the ballon d'or means uh, he top 5 or top 6 he used to stay and many people believe that uh, because he he used to get assist for uh, means uh, for real madrid so much and that is why i was so much glad when he signed for arsenal in 2013-14 season but then i think after that he means he we just got a glimpse of him and also there was too much criticism also but now i think uh, he's not able to last the full minutes means uh, means due to his age also and also lack of stamina i think that is why wins uh, for if you if you say prime ozil i think he would have fit in any team means uh, would he fit Bar- in the bayern team of today like would the prime ozil if you if you say today ozil was in his prime would he fit in this bayern team physically yeah, i believe yeah okay well yeah, i've not seen much of ozil so i don't know the answer to that but i will defer to you on, on that note that if you think he would fit in so you, yeah so i mean i guess the consensus here is that uh, there's still a place for such players i mean i hope there is because we like to see such players coming I mean, through shouldn't all be about you know players running at 100 miles you know per hour every game it's nice to see some technical skill or some brilliance as well so i do hope there is a place but sometimes i fear that there isn't um with the way the game is going especially um with the kind of players that are now coming through um you know it seems like there needs to be both rather than one or the other anyway um on that note i think uh, we're more almost done here uh, final question uh, for all of you guys here um your player of the tournament for the champions league in the europa league let's start with you akash who's your player for of the tournament for the champions league the champions league it's definitely robert lewandowski all right he was the top scorer and i believe if if it were a two leg tournament he would have broken cristiano's record of 17 goals mm-hmm. and well, as far that. as the europa is concerned i think i think i will go with bruno fernandes Uh-huh. Uh, yes, United no- got knocked out in the semi-finals, but I believe he was good with Sporting as well as United. So yeah. that pays off. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's for me. Uh, your picks uh, for Champions League. I'd uh, say the same. Uh, it's it's it has to be uh, Robert Lewandowski for what he did uh, this season, what he achieved this season, and Europa League. is a tough one i haven't watched much of many of the games from europa league but uh yeah it's i think the one of the uh, i i think that uh, the both the attackers for inter milan lukaku and i forget the name of the other guy martinez. those two yeah Dodoro martinez, martinez yeah. yeah those two were uh, good this season but i haven't really watched europa league a lot to actually give a proper judgment on who the best player was that's fine yes whatever you've seen shashwat yeah uh, in my opinion uh, for uh, ucl i think i will go with uh, light slightly unpopular decision but i will go with kenabri because he was brilliant i think he was uh, he had a great season and also robert lewandowski i think these uh, uh, from these two i think just because uh, 
of the uh, of the least means he's a slightly younger player and i think he played very well uh, in uh, in the, in the, uh, this season so that's why i will slightly go with uh, canabri no arsenal and, bias there of course <laughs> no yeah, uh, uh, yeah. and no, that's uh, fine, yes yeah and for the and europa, for league. europa league, yeah i will uh, th- i think uh, i will go with bruno fernandes because he was he did well this season with both the teams that is sporting cp and means uh, uh, and uh, manchester united i think he was the player of the tournament because he was the leading goal scorer i think and also he he was he did well i think that's why i think these two are my um, man of the tournament for no severe players for you guys so yeah so shows that they are more of a team rather than relying on individuals maybe All right. <laughs> well, no, thank you guys so much. Um, that's really uh, wonderful. Sorry, Akash, you had something to add? Or? I don't know. I'm good. Thanks. Okay. All right. Uh, so that's it for this episode of Late Night Football. Thank you so much, guys, for being part of this show and sharing your expert insight today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, Thanks a lot, Rohit. Thanks for having us here. Guys, for sure. Uh, if you've enjoyed watching this show, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. to the channel if you're watching this on YouTube or follow us if you're watching it on iTunes, Spotify or any of the other podcast channels we really need your support in growing this channel so please help us out uh, you can also join the fox in the box facebook group if you're interested in discussing football or any other sports with like minded people uh, the links are in the description below once you make a few comments and get your uh, foot in the door I, you know you can also be on this channel i'm just saying <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, no but that's a great that, incentive I know that's 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 you know that's the incentive right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but we'll be back next weekend with some more friends from Fox in the Box uh to do the, the 2020 2021 Premier League season preview yep it's already time for the new season to kick off I mean, what a strange time to be alive we're doing a review one week and then we're doing a preview the next week but nonetheless uh follow us on social media channels Facebook and Twitter uh, to get updates on the show this coming week again links are in the description below uh, take care everyone and see you next week uh, good night Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to that episode of Late Night Football. We need your help to grow this channel. So if you've been enjoying the show thus far, please do like and subscribe to this channel and share it with your friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, drinking buddies, fellow football fans, and anybody else you know or don't know. We really appreciate it. Uh, please also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We have the links in the description below and spread the word about us. Take care.